Hi everyone and welcome to Nightmare Now, or perhaps welcome back. Either way, happy Halloween, belated as it may be. And you might be saying, I just discovered this show, I've binged 40-something episodes and it's July. If that's you, Jacob or Sally, that's right, I'm recording from your walls and it's time to execute your conditioning. For most of the rest of you, I wanted to take a quick intermission from the alien stuff I've been on, mostly because I'd look like a moron recording a jack-o'-lantern episode mid-November, an on-brand moron for sure, but I'm here to make a good impression for Halloween. My name is Eric, and I will be your moron for the next 20 minutes to an hour. This is Nightmare Now, and it's our fun little show where we talk about Halloween-adjacent horrors, hectic history, freaky folklore, and so much more. I hope you all had a wonderful October. Hard to believe I just got back from my first wedding anniversary. What an awesome year, and it only gets better. Hopefully, we can get the lovely Sarah back on the show soon. I think she will. So I wanted to talk a little bit about some folklore. We have a pumpkin carving contest at my job. I win pretty much every year, but the time slipped away from me this year and I didn't finish it. I'll post it on the Instagram. I'll post it on the Instagram later on, though. So while slaving away over this foam gourd, yeah, I do a foam pumpkin. I do real pumpkins, too. And it's kind of funny because I have this opinion with foam pumpkins that it's okay to do foam pumpkins because, you know, you spend all that time carving one and then... One of my goals is to get like this big forest of pumpkins to set up whenever we have a, whenever we finally buy a house. But I feel the exact opposite way about a fake Christmas tree. With the Christmas tree, you got to go real or what are you doing? I guess it might be different if you live in a city or whatever, but it's kind of interesting how it switches back and forth for me between holidays on that front. So while carving this thing, I'm like, why am I doing this besides 50 bucks and some bragging rights at work? Turns out that there's a thousand-year history to the silly pumpkins, and of course, it all starts with a drunk Irishman. If the orange exterior and the O'Lantern surname wasn't a clue enough that the crafty Irish were involved, well, that's what you've got me for. So with not but a top of the old hallows evening to you, let's get to it. Let's jump back in time into ancient Ireland. Given a lot of the details, I don't think it's necessarily that ancient, but it's still pretty damn old. We zoom in on a fog-covered dirt road. To the left, a stone wall, likely there for centuries. To the right, a fog bank surrounded by old-growth forest. Perhaps a bog nearby. It would add to the ambience, right? A couple of frogs chittering and chirping. Stumbling down the road is a bearded figure dressed in raggedy clothes. Nearly falling and catching himself over and over again as he's weaving down the road. This is where the story turns into a sort of choose-your-own-adventure, where there's a bunch of different variations on what exactly happens next. So we'll now do it, I guess, in order of gruesomeness. (laughs) Pretty much the scale goes from most seasonal children's picture books to fucking Doom Eternal. In the least graphic version of the story, the stumbling, shit-faced guy, Jack, stumbles upon a corpse mutilated and splayed out in the road. Okay, I know I said that this was going to be the least graphic, but I guess it starts off pretty pretty brutal. Let's dial time back a little bit farther. So we're going to do the whole record scratch freeze frame. Yup, that's me, wondering how I got here as a mutilated corpse kind of thing. We're observing... Now we're observing Jack the Jackoff before he's irreparably hammered. He's still a jerk-off. He's constantly running schemes, ripping people off. He's doing bar tricks for free booze. I do an episode on tips and tricks for <laughs> getting free drinks, but a good magician never reveals his secrets. You just steal them. And I, I can't really riff 
for a half hour on pouring a tap while the bartender is looking elsewhere. Don't try that at home, kids. But anyway, you know the type. You try to get him to help you move and his back hurts. Can I bum a beer from you? I get paid later. After watching him show up in a new gold chain. That $50 I owe you for rent. I probably won't ever give it to you just so you know. You know, that kind of person. And everyone knows one of these mooching pricks. And Jack was the absolute worst of them. He was constantly running schemes. He was ripping people off. This was a guy you would never trust, but somehow he would always convince you to help him move or trade your cow for some beans or whatever he's up to these days. And so much so that everyone knew him as old stingy Jack. So he's fresh from ripping a bunch of people off at the pub, stumbling home when back to the story, he stumbles upon this mutilated corpse. Probably a lot more common back in the day, like people would get attacked by wolves or dogmen or any other series of horrors that existed apparently on the British Isles. Stuff like the Nuklevi or these weird alien cats that show up, all in other episodes. It was probably a lot more common to find mutilated bodies back in the day, but even if you go jogging these days, never, just don't look down. I mean, try to avoid dog poop and stuff, but as a general rule, keep your eyes forward. Because if you find a body, that's going to be like, that's a lot of paperwork. I'm just going to let you know now. If you find a body while you're jogging and you need to call the cops and tell somebody about it, that is like, that's your whole day. That's, that's probably two or three days just gone. And nobody wants that. Just leave it alone. He doesn't follow my advice. He sees the guy splayed out like he's a Geiger painting. And just right away, he's like, he won't be needing these, then. And then he just starts rifling through his pockets when the corpse's eyes open and lock with his. I hate it when that happens. Jack's thought process, I imagine, was something like, maybe that last 151 shot wasn't such a good idea. Wait, no, this is real and that corpse is absolutely looking at me. Suddenly, it rears up and it's just like... Good evening, Jack. I've heard great things. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Satan, Lord of Hell. My boy, I think it's time you come with me. <laughs> Sorry. Jack realizes his days of skimping on rent and just generally being a bastard are numbered unless he can talk his way out of this. And he's just like, listen, listen, Santa, I know you got big plans and stuff, but... And he, like, puts his arm around the corpse that's just laying there that has kind of grown horns at this point. And Satan himself recoils from the brimstone ichor of Jameson breath. Why don't you and I hit uh, O'Leary's and uh, talk shop first? I'll, I'll go with you. We'll watch a few drinks first, huh? Satan is like, Fuck it, we ball. Gotta see Jack in action. I'm gonna ruin my throat doing this. <laughs> So they go back to another pub. You guys can see this is Irish folklore, right? They both have enough ale to kill a man. And keep in mind that Jack is already hammered at this point, so good for him. And then the DJ hits him with the closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. And they're like, shit, who's going to pick up the tab? And then in true scumbag Steve fashion, Jack is like, I picked your corpse ash up off of the ground. You could get this one, right? And Satan <laughs> just says, Sorry, this is awkward, but I don't actually have any cash on me, and my, my card is on hold because of this whole 
fire festival. You'll, you'll figure it out in a couple thousand years. I had to dispute the charge. I guess you'll figure out what credit cards are too. Because the accommodations were shit. You know what? No, fuck you. You're getting this. So Jack flashes a smile that I imagine had a missing tooth or two. Maybe even a gold one. And he's just like, I left me wallet back on the road. Okay, what are we going to do? So Jack responds, why don't you turn your red ass into a silver coin? It'll cover the tab and I'll swipe you on the way out. And you can change back. Bob's your uncle, I'm at hell. (laughs) Why neither Satan nor the notorious prankster thought to just dine and dash, I'll never know. That's not a bad idea. And so Satan turns into a coin and Jack throws him into his pocket. He writes, don't eat yellow snow, kid on the tip line of the receipt and ditches the pub. The only problem for Satan in this case is he's got a silver cross in his pocket, which like the evil greys, Satan must submit to the awesome power of the symbolism of Christ. And so he can't change back from being just a silver coin in his pocket. And he's like, got this. So he lays the coin on the table. He puts this cross on top of it. And he's like, hey, how about you fuck off for 10 years and I'll let you transform out of your coin form. Otherwise, I'm putting you in a vending machine for a temporary tattoo. Satan being the lord of, you know, dark deals and devilish contracts and things agrees to the terms, changes back and goes back to hell. He gets his 10 years of debauchery, drinking, and stinking later. The devil returns to Jack's house to collect his soul. It's all very tenacious D. Jack is like, you held up your end of the deal. It's only fair I had to hold up mine. But first, my tummy hurts. Can you grab me an apple out of the... No. Come on. No. You really want to hear my tummy grumbling and have... (laughs) I'm like going Scottish with this or something. It all sounds the same. Is that... What is that? Nationalist? accentist you really want to hear me tummy grumbling and have me causing a scene all the way down will you shut up okay i'll grab you an apple funny enough forbidden apples are a little bit kind of my thing did i ever tell you about this baddie eve what 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 are you doing god damn me again (laughs) so as soon as satan climbs into the tree to grab him an apple because i don't know You feel like Satan would have heard, fool me twice, shame on you. But as soon as he climbs up into the tree, Jack whips out his knife and carves a cross into the tree bark and Satan is not allowed to climb down. He makes the devil agree to never collect his soul. He's like, why didn't I think of that in the first place? And Satan gets a wide, extraordinarily Grinch-like smile across his face and he's just like, deal, poofs out of existence, out of the tree, an explosion of fire and silvery smoke. Jack is just like, serves you right, you red cunt. (laughs) And he goes on to live another few years, hassle-free, going from dive bar to dive bar until he meets a foe more formidable than Hades and Satan himself, cirrhosis of the liver. Stingy Jack's drinking finally catches up with him and puts him in the ground once and for all. With one last swig off of his Mai Tai, he passes into the next world and floats up towards heaven. You gotta imagine, like, a big staircase up to the pearly gates, like you see in all the Hieronymus Bosch pictures and memes. <laughs> and kind of everything in between there. And him, like, tapping people's shoulders and then cutting them in line when they look. Just being a complete asshole, that kind of horseshit. Pushing past priests that dedicated their life to God just to try and get in a little bit quicker. He's like, the cumulative hangover will literally kill me again. 
And God shows up and it's basically the scene from the South Park musical where Kenny tries to get into heaven and gets hit with a giant denied button and gets thrown into hell and flies past like Hitler and Gandhi and Dianne Feinstein. Got that bitch. And whoever else you think would be funny going to hell. The only problem is he splats down at the sulfuric gates of hell just for Satan to be like, I seem to recall we had an agreement that I couldn't collect your soul. <laughs> However, I'm feeling generous. So here's a spark of hellfire. Find your own hell, Jack ass. <laughs> and he boots him back up to purgatory with this little tiny flame. So a quick aside on purgatory. Basically the, uh, what is it? SB, SB120, SB129 episode of SpongeBob where Squidward gets stuck in the never-ending whiteness to wander forever while atoning for his sins. That episode still fucks me up. So Jack is basically doomed to forever roam the never-ending darkness of purgatory. I feel like it's darker than SpongeBob in Catholic lore, but like physically, why would he need a light otherwise? So you're, you're roaming in an unending flat plane of complete darkness with a bunch of other assholes that needed contractually obligated waiting period before they're allowed to get into heaven. I imagine they've got some like Disneyland fast pass option if you say sorry enough times or you kiss the Pope's feet enough, but none of that works for Jack because he can't go up or down. He can't get into hell. He can't get into heaven. It sounds like a trip to Montreal strip clubs when you've had one too many canned vodka rock stars. You just, you can't get in anywhere. So Jack is stuck wandering the void until October 31st. The area of purgatory, like I said, is kind of like a, from my very generic pop religion understanding of it is basically like, oh, your soul can go to heaven, but you just need, you need to atone just a little bit more. And you're basically stuck in this like black, gray, never ending void until you serve out your time there. And then you get to go into heaven. So Jack is stuck wandering the void forever until October 31st, the time when the cosmic veil between voids is the thinnest and he can go bust people's balls for free drinks and probably steal shit. Out. I bet he steals your silverware. Like you have Jack over for a house party. He's stealing your forks. Of course, he has his spark of eerie, effervescent hellfire, and that's hot. Because of this, he took a vile rutabaga-looking turnip. Do they grow down there? I kind of pictured purgatory to be like flat, black, never-endingness. But apparently turnips grow there too, so uh, there must be some foliage. So he took a vile rutabaga-looking turnip, and he hollowed it out and carved a face into it, imbuing it with the spark of hellfire. So this is his lantern. I imagine after 700 years or so without meaningful human contact, except that one time he bullied a noodly school teacher off a bridge, you create a castaway style situation where the only one to talk to is the grotesque visage of your turnip monster lantern. Instead of a volleyball or whatever, he's stuck with only a root vegetable for companionship. Because I think there's probably rules in purgatory that you can't just like start up a softball team with everybody else stuck down there. I think you're kind of on your own, kid, for the most part. Because of this, he now became known as not Stingy Jack, but Jack of the Lantern. Jack or the Lantern. It's all about branding. After a few hundred years, it was simply known as Jack Lantern. And because of this, the Irish would carve turnips and fill them with candles to make their own lanterns close to the one eternally carried by Jack. 
These sort of stories were circulating like 1,200 years ago. Of course, hundreds of years later, they ran out of potatoes or something. Full disclosure, I, have, I don't really know a whole lot about the Great Potato Famine, aside from, you know, the title. And it really isn't super important for the for this episode, but I'm sure we'll get into it another time. It might be fun around St. Paddy's Day to do a series on that or whatever. So yeah, that's the less violent, less badass story of Stingy Jack. I still got a little bit of violence with the mutilated corpse and whatnot. If you want the alternate version, of course, we just need to rewind back to the old jerk-off stumbling down a dirt road before he found the corpse. This time, it's the same setup. Drunk Stingy Jack walks down the road and stumbles hither and thither. This time, it reads kind of like a shaggy dog joke. Anyway, Jack hears a moaning and groaning. Oh, help me. I've fallen and I can't get up. This seems out of character for him. So he doesn't know why and neither do I, but he decides to help. He's probably like, there's got to be a reward in this somehow. And the voice is this guy trapped under the bridge. I think he had fallen and broken his leg or something. For the love of heaven, he said, mercy have, and lend me aid. Wayworn traveler am I. Leave me here, and I shall die. And for once, Jack's heart was touched. Or he's like, this fucker ought to have a reward with me. (laughs) At least enough for another beer. Like, he's thinking, yeah, maybe if we take this guy home, I can get a free beer out of the thing. So he grabs him on his horse that is apparently chilling in this version. Maybe he was riding the horse. I think you can get a DUI for driving a horse, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but that's probably what he was doing. In this version, he also has a wife and kids. He might have in the previous version, but I don't think he was very present in their lives. But in this version, he takes the broken body of the person home that's like, mercy me, help me. And she's overjoyed to have someone else to talk to because Jack is a pain in the ass. And so they nurse the weary traveler back to health. And what do you know? The next morning, he's an angel. Got flowing golden locks, triceps and chest muscles that'll make Arnold Schwarzenegger jealous, a brilliant white robe. Dearest Jack, how can we repay you beyond a blessing on your house? Have these wishes three. And he's surprised by his own altruism for once. And he's like, oh, I really did something good this time. And so he's sitting there thinking, he's like, what do I want for a wish? Hmm. Do I want to make sure my family eternally has potatoes? Do I want to always ensure a good harvest? Do I want to end world hunger, unite people? I got something for you. Make all my stuff sticky so nobody can move with it. And the angel just like face palms. He's like, okay, you want me to make your... You want me to make your stuff sticky? He's like, yeah. And so the first thing is, how about my chair? My main rocking chair here. Make it so that if anyone who's not me sits down in it, straps will appear and tie them down. And then for my second wish, you really think he would wish for like more booze or something too, but no. My second wish, I want my toolbox to stick anybody to it if they try and grab my hammer. And the angel's like, okay, this is stupid, but sh- but sure, I, I can't believe I signed up for this. This is what happens if you lose in a, like a fantasy football league in heaven. You get stuck doing crap like this. And so for his third wish, he wishes for his sycamore tree to also have this same sticky property where anybody that comes in contact with it has to 
have a command word to free themselves from it that only Jack knows. And the angel is like, really, dog, this is this is all you got. You're not going to wish for world hunger to be gone. You're not going to wish for the eternal glory of Christ. You're sus. And you're banned from heaven, by the way, for being a selfish prick. Thanks for helping me out, though, when my wing was broken under the bridge. It all kind of seems out of pocket for an angel to be vindictive. I guess not really. There's all kinds of parables tied into people taking advantage of angels and stuff. Anyway, later on, the whole thing happened. Jack lives out a happy, miserable existence, making everybody else miserable. And again, gets cirrhosis of the liver, which they didn't fully understand back then, but they had some understanding that like, oh, if you drink enough of this poison over a 24 year, 25 year period, you're kind of fucked. The demons show up at his deathbed, and this is one of Satan's, like, lieutenants. So this is Baal or Diablo or something. I don't remember all the demons' names. I don't care. Anyway, he shows up, and he... Jack's like, all right, let me uh, let me at least put on my good suit. And keep in mind, in this timeline, he hasn't already swindled the devil three times. So they're, like, they're coming into Jack's world as a new mark. And he's like, let me at least tie my shoes and put on my Sunday best. And he's like, you can have a seat over there while you wait. Make yourself at home. And then, uh, so the demon's like, oh, thank you. Don't mind if I do. And he sits down and immediately the manacles and the foot things come on. And he's like, ah, let me out of this infernal contraption or whatever. And then Jack gets this big grin across his face and he gets renewed strength. Maybe he's sobered up or something. He goes to his bedside and grabs his biggest flail because he had a couple. He had a collection. It, it figures that this guy would have a weapon collection too. So he gets his biggest flail. He gets a smug smile across his face. He's like, you can get fucked for all I care, mate. And then just starts absolutely beating the ever living hell out of this demon. Pun intended there smashes his kneecaps, hits the flail into his ribs, smashes up all his rib bones, takes a bone saw, cuts his horns off, and is just beating the hell out of this demon. And he's like, how about you go take a hike back to hell, you red cunt? He's like, I'll let you free, but you gotta promise me I got another couple of years here. And so it's kind of the same scenario as before where he gets 10 more years and the, the demon has to be sent back to hell by like i imagine um a little like black ambulance shows up you have a bunch of imps come out and pull him away on a stretcher and he's like Ugh. so demon number two comes back to get him 10 years later and jack is like well if we're gonna walk all the way to hell i need to fix my shoes or they're gonna make this annoying squeaking slapping noise the whole time and it's a long walk, so you don't want me to be going every time I take a step. And the demon's like, oh, you are such a pain. But he's like, fine, fine. We can fix your shoe as long as you promise to shut the hell up for the whole trip to hell. And he's like, eh, deal. He's like, why don't you grab that uh, hammer out of me toolbox there and I'll put a nail and cobble my shoe together. And so the demon goes and it's like, it's basically like the Avengers scene where somebody tries to pick up Thor's hammer and they're not worthy, except he's completely stuck. He's stuck with his hand in this dumb toolbox. The demon is. He's like, what the hell? And that's when Jack duct tapes his shoe back together and he's like, Oh, they didn't tell you about this, did they? And uh, he goes back into his room and, of course, grabs the biggest flail he's got again. Rinse and repeat. He just, like, breaks each one of the demon's fingers, breaks his horns, smashes his skull to bits. 
and this doesn't kill them maybe because he's not a holy person or whatever they can't be vanquished they can just get their asses mollywopped he's completely beaten and broken and he's like yeah tell your friends prick and then the ambulance shows up and goes back to hell and then the third time it's basically the same thing the devil himself shows up this time he's like you you beat up two of my greatest lieutenants and you're coming with me asshole maybe the devil should have like a macho man voice that'd be kind of fun you beat up two of my greatest lieutenants and he's like all right fine i put my flail away you know i'm not beating up anybody i'm old i've had 20 years past my death date because of putting stuff off with these beatings so I'm old and feeble, and if we're going to get to hell, I need a walking stick. Problem is, my walking stick just broke. So I swear I won't cause any problems. I just need you to grab me a stick out of that sycamore tree over there. And the devil's like, <sighs> God damn it. Okay, we'll, we'll grab you a stick. And then you are coming with me. And so he does that. He goes, and as soon as he touches the bark of this tree, he gets stuck because it's it's got the super glue on it. And again, the, the beatings continue. Old Stingy Jack, who's like 120 years old at this point, grabs two of his biggest flails. He's like, now we're, we're <laughs> doubling the fun and just completely demolishes every bone in satan's body which is pretty bad this is the part where i'm saying it goes from adapted fairy tale story to just doom guy really fast so he's beating the hell out of him and he's like how about this how about you swear to never take my soul and the devil again gets that grinch like smile through all his broken teeth then it's basically the same outcome as before he gets he eventually dies of natural causes he goes up to heaven heaven's like yeah, that angel told you, you're not allowed up here. You're an asshole. And so he gets sent back down to hell and the, the devil's there in like um like a full body cast and like a sling and he's got like an eye patch on. I told you I would never collect your soul. We had a deal. And again, he kicks him up to purgatory and that's that's where we leave off. So that's pretty much the folkloric story of Jack of the Lantern and... It has some variation, some more variations, but it's all kind of the same, same deal. So that's where we get the lantern. That's where we get the story of him making deals with the devil and getting stuck and wandering the earth. And then the only time he can show up is October 31st when the veils between reality are the smallest. So now we talk about Sawin. So a lot of people hit it with that Sam Hain because that's how it's spelled. S-A-M-H-A-I-N fair pronunciation i feel like and people really get their panties in a bunch when you say it wrong and i want to be clear i'm making an effort to pronounce it correctly for informational purposes not respectful ones that way i can get the facts straight and still upset everyone so nowadays you usually just hear about Sawen from edgy contrarian types kind of covers a lot of the pagan stuff doesn't it and more broadly a lot of historical symbolism as a whole you have all the weird white nationalist stuff embroiled in norse mythology you have the obvious nazi appropriation of the swastika which was usually a symbol of luck well-being or divinity and tons of asian cultures and ancient cultures and it's actually fucking everywhere. I was looking into this a little bit. It's all over the place in the ancient world, which which I think was an intentional part of the Nazi shtick. The idea that we have our flags up 
and someone digs up a thousand-year-old clay pot across the world in Baghdad, and it has our logo on it. It shows that uh, the Nazi thousand-year Reich was here for thousands of years, and it's just a way for them to steal cultural legacy to support their own agenda. And it's it's long prophesized history and all that stuff. You have less dramatic uses like Sawen to be contrarian or alternatively people that are actually witchy like Wiccans or people that practice pagan religion seriously rather than just I like to dress in black and make my parents upset. Modern day Halloween takes traditions from all kinds of this stuff. As a side note, check out the movie Halloween Tree. It's a Ray Bradbury novel that they made an animated feature out of and it's, I don't know, some kid is dying or something so they have to figure out how all the cultures treated the dead back in ancient times and it's it's a fun little like animated history of all these different halloween practices it's got leonard nimoy as uh what's the guy's name clarius clavicle mound shroud as like the villain slash spirit guide or whatever it's it's kind of cool but they talk about day of the dead and ancient egypt and mummies and stonehenge and all kinds of weird stuff but back to Samhain this is an ancient Gaelic slash Celtic festival not honestly sure what the difference is hang, hang on so Gaelic is the language Celts are the people I should know that and now I do so Samhain is an ancient Celtic holiday slash festival where people believe that the souls of the dead walk the earth records of this kind of go back to the ninth century where they'd open up all the tombs so that the dead could chill with the living I think there's some stuff about this in that um that book I keep doing episodes on the book of the undead there so maybe we'll talk about that in more detail on another time but the celebration was on November 1st and by extension the eve of October 31st because the Celtic day started and ended at sundown rather than midnight so the spirits of the dead would come to mingle and enjoy food and drink and basically have a wild rumpus back at home it was again the time that the veils between the reality and this other world are at its thinnest and the other world is in celtic mythology the land of the gods and the dead and fairies and all kinds of other mythological stuff one account allegedly calls it the land of the big women Everyone's got a different type of heaven, I guess. There's a lot of overlap in fairy folklore. For the love of God, don't eat the food. Don't eat the food they give you. You'll be stuck there for a thousand years. But we don't need to get into all that. I've been over it in so many episodes. And eventually we'll do like a fairy folklore overview episode or something to tie all these things together. But people would dress in fearsome costumes and recite verses for food door to door. There's also another fun Welsh holiday that has like a severed horse skull go banging on your door to have a rap battle and start beating people up. It looks a lot like the Nightmare Now logo, honestly. Same energy too. That's like the, the Mary Gwyn or something. Um, there's also the feast of the ass, which we won't get into. There's all, I was, I went down a pretty big rabbit hole of all these old, like pagan holidays that got taken over by Catholicism and stuff. But I was laughing for like 15 minutes when I, I came up on the, um, ancient calendar that had feast of the ass on it. And of course it's like a celebration of the donkey that carried Mary and Joseph into Jerusalem or whatever and all the other donkey stories in the Bible. But it's just, it's just kind of funny. 
Samhain is also the sign of the beginning of winter and the end of the harvest season. All the trees are dying. Yes, foliage. So there's also death symbolism of the plants dying and everyone buckling down for a rough winter where it's going to be dark all the time. All you got to eat is all the potatoes you picked until the next time you get to pick potatoes. That long, dark winter back into the day often meant people dying. So again, this symbolism with death, this relationship with magic, the souls of the dead, meeting with gods, all that kind of stuff. You can kind of see where this is going, right? So they would carve turnips with a little candle flame for illumination during this festival because, of course, it took place at night and we, they didn't, they, the kids didn't have their damn phone flashlights. So turnip lanterns had the added benefit of making people be able to see and also warding off evil spirits. Apparently, they really hate vitamin K. <laughs> now let's take a brief detour into the short, not confusing at all, easily digestible history of Catholicism and its takeover in the West for thousands of years. So, in the very beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that's when they put a pope on trial, who was at the time still a corpse. More on that in the third episode. Then there's this whole thing with Constantinople, which is now Istanbul, which used to be Constantinople, but now is Istanbul. And then there's all these knights in the Holy Land. And this is like the fourth crusade that they have done. If you recall Crusades 1 through 3, there was later on, of course, was the seventh crusade, which is kind of like the Empire Strikes Back of the Crusades because of... And then much later, after the release of the Da Vinci Code, the Pope says aliens will be welcome in the faith and find their place in heaven. Hold up. I went too far. I had to cut out... I had to cut out 18 hours in the middle there, but I left in some highlights. Essentially, the Catholics, while taking over and converting people, realized quickly that burning people for pagan rituals wasn't exactly the best way to win friends and influence people. Okay, not that quickly, but eventually they did figure out that bringing long-standing local pagan traditions into the fold was a better way to win the populace over time rather than burning them at the stake or putting them in thumbscrews or what have you. So aren't all those Sawen traditions starting to sound familiar? Dressing up, carving jack-o'-lanterns, begging for candy, traditions of magic and spookiness, all celebrated on the night of October 31st? What could that possibly be related to today? We'll get to that. So the Catholics lean into the honoring the dead aspects of a lot of these pagan traditions with All Saints Day, of course, to honor all the saints that had died, all the martyrs. That was started in the year 609 AD, and that was actually to snuff out a different pagan holiday in May called Lemuria, but they kind of folded it in. I think that was in Rome that they were doing that. They kind of folded it in and moved it later to November 1st when they were having problems with the Irish. So they moved this holiday to November 1st to bring the Irish in line with the church a bit more. Trying to bring the Irish in line, let alone have them walk in a straight line, seems like a fool's errand to me, but hey, what do I know? So they switch the branding up a little bit, and All Saints Day becomes All Hallows Day. Of course, All Hallows Day falls on November 1st, and that makes the night before... Say it with me, All Hallows' Eve, which, of course, gets portmanteaued into Halloween. In the mid-1800s, the Irish immigrants start flooding into the U.S. around the time of the aforementioned Great Potato Famine. 
most of their descendants today are Boston police officers, which is ironic because the term paddy wagon, the van that transported prisoners to jail, originates from how many Irish people they were shipping to prison when they started coming here. Kind of a fun little side note there. So the Irish show up in the mid-1800s. They bring Guinness. They bring St. Patrick's Day. They bring the cannibalistic air of the Jameson fortune. And of course, Halloween and its associated traditions to America. It was in America that they discovered pumpkins and found them to be much better lanterns than turnips because pumpkins are native to North America and they didn't have them in Ireland. So they're like, these big orange ones are so much better than turnips. And voila, we have the modern day jack-o'-lantern. In modern day, America's cultural traditions proliferate through the entire world along with drone strikes, freedom, and oil rigs. And that's kind of how Halloween as we know it today, started to spread to the rest of the world through the cultural force of America. And there you have it, folks, a short history of the jack-o'-lantern and Halloween as we know it today. There's obviously other influences throughout history, like the Day of the Dead or the Dia de los Muertos, which has all kinds of cool traditions dating back past the Aztecs. You got all the skeleton babes and fun beads and candy skulls and all that stuff. There's all the cool ancient Egyptian and Greco-Roman folklore about the underworlds and everything. People coming back, pe the dead returning. There's some village, I, I want to say in Malaysia, don't quote me on this because I didn't research this at all. This is straight off of the cuff. Some village out in Malaysia where they like will take the mummified remains of their ancestors out and then have them eat dinner with everybody. I mean, they're... They're a little bit peckish at this point, but they'll stuff a cup, uh, some money in their clothes and be like, go be somebody on the other side, kid, and put them back in their graves. There's different demons, monsters, and creepy crawlies from pretty much every culture worldwide that we can all kind of take a moment to celebrate at this time of year because Halloween is, has gone from drunk Irish tradition all the way to a mega corporate holiday. And I think there's some... some really fun space in between there where people can just appreciate what the quote-unquote spooky season is all about from all over the world. And lastly, of course, you have the rampant capitalist takeovers like every modern holiday playing into horror movies, haunted walks, Halloween costumes, candy companies, big dentistry, spirit Halloween taking over your favorite mom and pop stores, and so much more. Now I really want to thank you guys for sticking with me this long, not just in this episode, but for the whole duration of the show. I love bringing the show to you guys. I love this time of year, but goddamn, is it busy. I think over the next few weeks, I'll finish out the tremendous Betty and Barney Hill alien story, and then I will probably take a week or two off for the holidays, revamping some of the website, getting prepped for some big, awesome topics and big moves for the show. You guys are the best, and even when I'm stressed out or whatever, I know that I'm doing this for a reason. I know, my, which is my sanity, but also you guys. So I want you all to have a happy belated Halloween. Some cultures, celebrations continue through the whole first week of November anyway. So enjoy your extra hour of sleep tonight and try to watch a comedy or something before bed. Otherwise, while the veil is thin, you're only in for nightmares now. Nightmares now.